Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. Pirates, vandals of Volcano Mountain, whatever it is, I will take them down. Because I am in a mood. I need to get something done, you know what I mean? Stone Groove, my man. You are the most righteous. Yeah, right. Just get the fuck out, man. Let's go. Shit. Come on. And welcome. This is the Dadless Soul Extra Time live at lunchtime show. For the next 60 minutes, you will be joined by my good self and my co host. You know, some people call him a space cowboy, some people call him the gangster of love, some people call him Maurice. I actually call him the love child of Debbie McGee, Jimmy Greaves, and Jimmy Cranky, otherwise known as Jim Coulson. Wow, what a party that would have been, right? <laughs> Debbie McGee, Jimmy Cranky, Jimmy Greaves, and who's the other one? Uh, I've, I've completely lost now. I mean, <laughs> as soon as you mentioned the Jimmy Steve Cranky, Band. Steve, yeah. yes, exactly, the Space Cowboy. Um, yeah, oh, wow. Steve Miliband, of course, the less famous brother of Ed and David. Hey. Is he a joker, a smoker, or a midnight toker? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, for some reason, I was talking with uh, one of our friends on text about the yeah. lyrics of Come Together by the Beatles today, speaking of strange lyrics. Yeah. And that is an odd old song, isn't it? What is a juju eyeball? And um, can someone explain that to me? If you can do that in the comments, if you are watching this live on one of our streams across social media, that would be lovely. We to are know. streaming on a lot of platforms these days, aren't we? We are, aren't we? So, you know, what, what someone are we streaming on, Jim? What are we streaming on? We're on YouTube, Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, Twitch, and another thing? Mixed, Mixed Cloud. Cloud. Mixed Cloud. That's what we're on as well. And we're on a couple of different things on Facebook because we are selfish. Oh, and LinkedIn as well. This is your bi-monthly cure for lonely lunch breaks. And, as you, you know, you said about X. Mm. No, does anybody actually still call it X? I know, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. We are a radical organisation. You know, we are disruptors. We are change makers. Yes. Actually, we're also elderly. And we don't yep. like a lot of change. So, Elon, I don't care how many billions of pounds he's putting in. It will still be Twitter to the day I die. Or is it Starburst? No, they're yeah. <laughs> I still want a marathon, not a Snickers. It doesn't matter. I think it's perfectly acceptable to be all for change and also all not for change at the same time. And I don't think that's hypocritical. <laughs> Down with that sort of thing. I, I have seen... A couple of people say, oh, I was on X the other day, and it, it stood out like a sore thumb. It was very strange. Literally everyone else in the world still calls it Twitter. I had a yeah. couple of people who've gone, oh, yeah, I was on X. And I was like, what the? I mean, is that a drug? It sounds like sounds like a drug in like a very bad film where yeah. it's about yeah, yeah, yeah. the, you know, it's set five years in the future and the drug X has taken over the world. But isn't actually the... I'm sure that's what Americans call ecstasy. Oh, yes. I think you're probably right, actually. Yeah, so, so that's an odd choice, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm getting off my head on X. Yeah, well, it can have that effect on you, the, uh, uh, the social yeah, media. And ruin careers. Uh, yeah. So for this next 60 minutes, you'll have... Uh, what have we got going on? We've got some good music, we've got lively yeah. chat. We've got deep conversations. 
We've got problem-solving conversations. What else have I missed, Jim? This is your test. General fun and excitement. So, yeah, ask Alex. Um, <laughs> he is our conflict management expert, and he comes on the Dadless Soul sessions every month, and yep. you put your questions to him, and he solves them because he is the king of solving these things. Um, one day I will play that video again where he explained why he was so good at conflict management, and it involves him having guns pointed at him, which is crazy um and uh, yeah what we've done is we've taken a clip from one of those and we'll ask you the question you can get involved at any point if you're watching this on one of the streams uh, across social media and you can give your answer we'll give what our answers would have been and then we'll hear what alex's answer actually was which is kind of like the real answer that you should probably do and you shouldn't listen to us too no i disagree we obviously know a lot more then Alex, you know, he's only got 20 years as a GP and a conflict resolution expert. Frankly, he's talking out the back of his head. Mostly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you you, you could say that. So that's very sort of 2024, isn't it? That whole, you might be an expert with all this experience and research, but I feel something and that is more correct. I feel that yes. this is a problem. So yeah. a lot of people you know, might tell untruths or lie about this or might feel, you know, it's unfactual, but that's how I feel. Jim. Yes. It's been two weeks since we did mm. this last show and we haven't been dragged up in a court of law. Presumably we didn't say anything libelous, but, you know, you never know. Is it that they're just slow off the mark and there will be a massive court case just around the corner or do you think we were actually really professional? I mean... In these situations, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's probably somewhere okay. in the middle, isn't it? I mean, I think our professionalism could be called into question. How dare but you? at least it didn't veer over into insulting people and defaming people and getting a suit. So, you know, that's yeah. a win by my book, and I will take that, definitely. Talking about winning, what are you mm. celebrating this week? Because we have a section for the regular listeners, what we are, what we're celebrating, what we're struggling with, which was probably booked in for about the 40 minute mark of this show. I've just decided we're doing it now. Uh, this is actually, this goes back to sort of the Christmas period. Um, and I, I was meant to talk about this last time. And then we, <laughs> we went off on different topics. Funnily enough, never normally happens. Um, <laughs> and I'm celebrating the fact that teenagers can be all right. Um, <gasps> That's controversial. Yeah, it is controversial. You hear a lot about scary teenagers and, you know, my daughter's just turned 10, so she's mm. getting towards that stage and it's, you know, she's going to be going to secondary school in a year or two's time and then, you know, it's like, oh, what do they come across at secondary school? What are they going to see on the bus? You know, teenagers, you have to be concerned about them all the time and, yeah. uh, you know, the influence that other teenagers can have. And quite frankly, it feels pretty scary. Although I'd like to say thank you to Chris, who's got in contact to say teenagers are fantastic, exclamation mark. That's nice to know. Um, Is he in the business that involves being nice to teenagers? And <laughs> yeah. I just don't believe that. That's, uh, that's our friend, our good friend, Chris Stein, there. Ah, OK. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, he probably tells the truth, doesn't he? Well, yeah, possibly. That's, that's awkward now. I've just said that out loud, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're calling his professionalism into question, but there you go, whatever. <laughs> But um, so, yeah. Why? So What's your data to prove that teenagers are nice? 
Well, I mean, obviously not all teenagers are going to be nice, but over the Christmas period, we have this um, sort of tradition, 27th of December, we go to see my wife's side of the family and we go to see their, her cousins and their kids. And their kids, like there were four or five teenagers there. And you know what? They were all really lovely. And I don't think they were just being on best behaviour all day yeah. because it's not really that. It wasn't that kind of like sort of formal event. But actually, they were all really interesting and interested in conversations and things that people were doing. They were really helpful and friendly and they were really kind. You know, they kind of took my daughter under the wing because she's desperate to be older than she is, of course. And uh, they, yeah, they, there were... they fake interest in your music taste and go, you know, what were bands like in your day, Uncle Jim? I mean, they didn't go that far, obviously. And, and like, who could blame them? I mean, that would be a bit much. <laughs> it just milk it. Get, get him talking about that thing. <laughs> Brit shot. Brit, Brit, yeah, get him on that and then we're fine. We're fine for the rest of the day. It's like when you had a teacher at school, wasn't it? Who had a, like a pet subject. And as yeah. soon as you touched on that, it's like, right, we can sit back, put the pen down. There will be no more learning for the rest of the lesson. So tell because... us about the Second World War. We don't yeah. like the Germans either. <laughs> for one of my for my French teacher in about year nine, it was um the uh, it was political correctness. At the time, at that stage, it was kind of like I guess that they were trying to get away from saying fireman and policeman and, you know, police officer and firefighter, yeah. which just makes more sense, to be perfectly yeah. honest. But he had a real thing. And I remember I heard him say, what is it going to be next? Person Chester uh, <laughs> on more than one occasion. <laughs> and uh, you just knew once he was on that topic, that's it. Fine. Get away with it. Um, so he's, but, he's basically an angry, misogynist, racist, and card-carrying BNP member, probably. I mean, he's likely dead now, so I can say, yes, definitely he was, yes. But you didn't say who, what his name was, did you? No, so I you didn't. didn't. actually identify him. Um, but anyway, so it was really nice. It was just, it was really encouraging, and it was really positive to, um, to meet some teenagers and for them to book the trend of the fears that I have in my head about my kids getting towards that age. So that was something definitely that I've been celebrating for the last few weeks. That 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 sounds quite nice because I think the older you get, the more miserable you do get about younger generations and the way that they dress and their attitude. You know what really annoys me? Like there'll be these rants on local Facebook groups where somebody's taken a photo of the, the kids acting up in the park and go, oh, bring back national service. Like, Brian, you're 33 years old. You didn't do national <laughs> service. You've got no idea what national service is, right? Yeah. Said, no, don't bring, it didn't make you the who you are today. You're, you're younger than I am. You're lying. And also, do you find it on your local groups where, the, you know, someone's like, like they've drawn a, a penis or something on a road sign and people yeah. are like, oh, the, the neighbourhood is going into it's going into disaster. The neighbourhood's gone. And it's like, mate, you probably did stupid stuff like that when you were a teenager as well. Like yeah. that is one of the least concerning things that there possibly is. Teenagers will do silly things. You know, when you're young, you've got no responsibilities and you don't really understand how other people are affected by those things, then you do silly things. It's not the end yeah. of the world. 
That's right. And, you know, I was part of the generation where tens of thousands of people, you know, were travelling around the M25 every weekend to lodge, you know, raves in people's cows field, uh, you know. Yeah. So in retrospect, that was probably a lot more disruptive than the the people and the, the attitude of kids today. Mm, yeah, and, and so I just wanted to celebrate teenagers. Um, and Chris says they are challenging but wise in ways that many adults could learn from. And I, I would go with that, definitely. How about you? What are you celebrating? Uh, a double win. Oh, nice. I've, um, I've become a great uncle twice uh, over. So not just a good uncle, <laughs> which I have been for many years. I've, I am officially a, a great uncle. So I've got two lovely nieces and they both became pregnant within two weeks of each other. Completely unplanned. And baby Jude has turned up, and then baby George turned up on Saturday. Uh, both very wrinkly, of course. Uh, long faces like old men, old men's hairlines. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's quite nice because before that, it was my, my my son was the youngest in the family group. But now it's it's nice that we've got like another generation. So yes. my son can can become the big cousin. And do all of the cool things. It's like, oh, you know, in three or four years, we can have them down for the weekend. Uh, we could take them to Thought Park. You know, real good levels of mischief. Um, mm. So I was really, really looking forward to, to that. Um, and they'll just be tiny. I mean, yeah, baby Jude was at five pounds. Wow. So he's, yeah, tiny, tiny little thing. Looks a bit like an orangutan. You know. <laughs> He's, got, he's a gangly youth, but that, that comes from his mother, so I'm not going to get, you know, into trouble for saying that. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm celebrating becoming a, a great uncle. But also, you know, when you say great uncle, great aunt, it kind of reminds me of, like, those Elin comedies that you yeah. get. Where it'd be the, the old lady that was looking out on the street for Peter Sellers being the burglar. So that is that what I've become? It must be, yeah. Like for me, it's uh, it reminds me of like kind of a Roald Dahl character. There'd be great uncles and great aunties in Roald Dahl books, wouldn't they? And they would be yeah. either very strict and horrible, or completely sort of all over the place and fun and mischievous. And great I mean, which one are you? In the Wumbles. Yes. Yeah. You know. Well, that's someone to to model yourself on, right? <laughs> They're very modern. Is the old like recycling and reusing thing? The Wombles was. was ahead of its time. He he, he was. I'm not going to wander around Wimbledon Common late no. at night and making good use of the things that we find, the things that the everyday folks leave behind. I mean, yeah, late at night in Wimbledon Common, you don't know what's going to be left behind. Mm, you probably get some potentially quite interesting conversations. Maybe. I yeah. tell you what, there will be. There are probably a lot of people that are walking their dogs that have lost their dogs. Mm. <laughs> Running after them, shouting, Fenton! Fenton! <laughs> like, I wonder what happens. You know, when these videos go viral, I mean, that bloke probably never made any money because he was just chasing his dog. It wasn't even his video. 
I wonder what the what Fenton's owners doing nowadays. I don't remember that. I have no knowledge of what you're speaking about. No, so it was no. a video. It was there was someone was videoing and there was like a like a pack of deer. It was like it was somewhere in one of the like the royal parts, I think, in London. Okay. And um there was like a pack of deer. I don't know if it's a pack of deer or a herd of deer or a mischief of deer or whatever it is. No. And all of a sudden, this dog pegged it past the camera. Yeah. Uh, towards the deer as they started running away. And the bloke ran past going, Fenton! Fenton! Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Fenton! 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 Oh, Jesus Christ! Fenton! And, you know, this was like, what, 12, 13 years ago. So yeah. who knows what that man is up to nowadays, the Fenton man. Well, Fenton's knows. probably dead as well. Let's well, be honest. Uh, yeah, let's look at the cheery side. Fenton <laughs> and my old French teacher. <laughs> I mean, let's... Hi, we're here to entertain you on, on your Tuesday lunchtime with stories about dead dogs. It's such a middle-aged man conversation. Who do you know who's dead? Um, it's just... That, that and ailments. How, yeah. how are your ailments these days, Jim? Uh, not too bad, actually. Um, yeah. my, my gout hasn't flared up for a while, which is the one thing that makes me feel like a really old man. You um, know, I was worried about this call because I think, you know, obviously, Gladiators came back over the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, gladiators! I'm sure you have to say that. I thought you'd be watching it and probably got a bit carried away and made some sort of, you know, uh, adventure playground over the back of the sofa and you were going to turn up today with some strains or at least some bruises. I mean, there is a temptation to do that because I absolutely love it. I think it's amazing. Are the kids into it? The kids are really into it. So what we've done, because there's been two episodes now, yeah, and we've watched them both. We've projected them onto our bedroom wall. So they're huge. So we're watching Gladiators right up big. And I knew the kids would love it because they love that sort of Ninja Warrior stuff. Yeah. They're really into that kind of thing. And when it came back, thought, I hope it's not just nostalgia. I hope it's not just me going, oh, you know, the 90s were great, TV shows were great. But The Gladiators, it is the biggest load of stupid, dumb fun there is on TV. And it's absolutely brilliant. I am completely... Like the, the steroid users jumping around on a Saturday <laughs> tea time. Yeah. What, what, what's not to love? That's it, right? That is an absolute recipe that for pitch? That, yeah, it's the elevator pitch. How can you condense it into six seconds or whatever? And that's yeah. it. And it's just brilliant, brilliant fun. And I'm how does so it compare to what it used to be? Well, I look at it. Trust. I watch it with a different perspective now. I watch it from the perspective of how knackering it is to try and get anywhere near fit. And I am still. 32 million miles away from being the fitness of anyone on that program. So yeah. I think I watch it as more of a feat of human endurance now than just like hit people with sticks and <laughs> run past them really fast. I kind Knock of watch it off. Oh, that would be difficult. Oh, I kind of, whenever I watch anything on TV, like there's a competition like that, I get yeah. a bit of anxiety as if I was in that situation. So I'll watch the Great British Sewing Bee and they'll go, you need to do this kind of uh, collar and this kind of zip and this kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, God, I'd have, I've got no idea how to do that. I don't know. How to, and then I think I'm sitting on the sofa. I'm not doing it. I don't have to do it. 
None of these people have to do it. They've just put themselves in this position where they're told they need to do it. But surely to put themselves in that position, they'd at least need to know how to do these things. I just uh, noticed that, sorry, uh, but while you were talking, right, about this is obviously not for, there's people that listen on the podcast, but the live viewers got this on the video. While you were talking about exercise, you leant over and rubbed your back. (laughs) So just talking about it, and you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm all right. I've been doing quite a lot of exercise recently, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. That's another thing I'm celebrating, actually. Is really, really? Yeah, I really am really okay. enjoying it. And I'm just trying to eat a bit better and I'm not really drinking very much and I am exercising. And it's something that I started before Christmas. It's not just a January thing. And managed yeah. to kind of keep up over Christmas. Didn't overindulge, just had a nice amount of indulgence. And I feel millions of times better for it. It's really nice. You have and a I'm- goal that, you know, they, they say put smart objectives there. So you want to lose two stone or run the Boston Marathon or, you know, whatever. What's your what's your North Star with this? It is at the moment. My next, because I always think it's good to have little little goals to get to, yeah. you know, so celebrate the wins quite quickly. There is a shirt that I managed to get into last time I went on a health kick um, that I loved and now which does not fit or has not fit anyway uh, and i'm hoping by my birthday which is the 6th of february if anyone is interested in in that and i'll give out so my it's a couple of weeks time. time is that what you're saying a couple of weeks time i want to be able to fit into that now a week or two ago i tried it on and it was still still a little bit off still still a way off so i'm hoping I'm, i don't know whether now to try it on again just to see what i need to do in two weeks so it's pretty much exactly i think it is two weeks today actually yeah um I don't know whether to try it on this week and just say, oh, I need to, you know, adjust a few things. Or if I just like, don't, don't look at it, don't think about it, and then get there. 6th of February, try it on and see how it goes. The alternative, right, is don't eat for two weeks. Could do that, yeah. Yeah. Or put it on and then just rip the sleeves, sleeves off mm. and leave it unbuttoned with nothing underneath it and go a bit redneck yeah okay yeah you could because you know you're quite a, a well-turned you know subtle really elegant sort of chap you could try new birthday new look and go for heavy metal redneck or or a jumper put the shirt on and then put a jumper over the top. so you know or just go and expose your midriff. You know, the 90s is coming back. You could look like one of all saints. By showing off your, your... There are ways around this that don't involve exercise. You just need to colour outside yeah. the lines. I like the, the jumper thing because that gives me a, like a couple of months extra, doesn't it? Because I'm, oh, I'm wearing the sh- I'm wearing the shirt. No one can see. It's really tight because I've got a big jumper over the top. Now, yeah. you know, come May, June time that jumper's going to have to come off. But at least I've got until then. To, if I don't do the work by the 6th of February, then I, I've still oh, got those The thing is you could do too much work and become too buff, and then it wouldn't fit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Which is the challenge that I have. <laughs> yeah. Being too handsome, it, you know, yeah. it, it can be restrictive when I'm just trying to get around Lidl on a Sunday. Yeah, no, I can see how that could be detrimental to your life, and I feel your pain. Absolutely. It, it, it does, it does. Um 
just thinking, we've got another section. This is also what we're going to struggle with. But musical interlude, first of all, because we have just witted on for 25 minutes without any sense or consciousness. Why not? And now, I mean, Stuart is very excited about the mention of All Saints, finds that very funny. Um, we haven't got any All Saints, unfortunately, ready to play. But would you like to Never, ever. Your... Never, <laughs> no. ever have we got All Saints. Do you know what's really annoying about that song? Go on. Don't want to go off on another tangent before we play a song, but I'm about but we're to. Gonna, we're going to. Right. A few questions that we need that I need to know, right? <laughs> no. no, no. You don't need to know the questions. There's a few answers that you need to know. You have well, the questions already, all right? I'm a little bit in awe of just how bad that is. Um, yesterday, I was driving in the car and I was talking about Fat Boy Slim with my son. And as you do, and it made me think about Big Beat for the first time in possibly two decades. And um, Big Beat was quite a cool sort of um, like music genre in the yeah. late 90s, wasn't it? And uh, it has it that connection. You know, we have these uh, events in Brighton and Brighton was the very hub of it with Skint Records. And yep. one of the bands on uh, Skint or one of the acts on Skint was Bentley Rhythm Ace. And they had a song called Bentley's Gonna Sort You Out. And I can't, and, and I thought yesterday, oh, I must listen to that at some point. And I never got around to it. So I thought I'd inflict it on everyone else. But it is, it's a great tune. And this is it. Bands and we love that you might not know. Exactly. Bands we love you might not know because, you know, they were big, but in about 1997. Yeah, so many people. Like proper adults were born this millennium, weren't they? So after that depressing thought, here you go. Bentley Rhythm Ace, Bentley's going to sort you out.
Your rhythm ace. Great song. Nothing in relation to the video. Probably the first time I've seen that video. Two questions. Right. right. What ever happened to Swing Ball? And is there actually still some sort of underground movement that with like Swing Ball leagues? Was there a, like a campaign to get it in the Olympics? You know, what, what happened? I, I need to know. Well, I can exclusively reveal here on the Dadless Soul Extra Time Live at Lunchtime show that yep. uh, Swing Ball does still exist. And there is a, I don't know if my mum and dad have the only remaining swing ball. It might well be the case, because, yeah, you're right, you don't really see it very often, do you? Yeah. But um, they definitely have one, and we have used it with the children. And essentially what happens is in, say, half an hour's game of swing ball, your children will be hit in the face by the ball three four possibly five times and then you'll just have to give up when the tears become too loud but there was probably like say swing ball leagues there was teams because it it was very of its time wasn't it but it was very very popular yeah i guess that's the thing and it, it's like tennis if you haven't got much space so you you whack in a tennis ball flies around on a string from a pole and then there's a person next to you and they whack it back the other way. So all you need is like the radius of about kind of a meter, meter and a half, something like that. But yeah, but also because it's all so tight, it is very easy to hit it in someone's face. And it does really, really hurt as well. So I think maybe that's what happened. Maybe swing ball, you know, it came, it conquered for a bit and then everyone went, there must be a better option than this. There must be, let's cut the string. So apart from struggling with what the hell happened to uh, swing ball, mm -hmm. what else are you struggling with, James? Well, I, I mean, obviously the swing ball thing's a big consideration and I think next it has week... Been, be is it, is, I feel like an intervention is needed. Yeah, I think yep. also next week we should explore what happened to Step Reebok. And um, what's well, one of my favourites? Um, I'm struggling with decorating. Why? And what are you decorating? Well, this is the thing. I, I'm not really decorating. So just after Christmas, we were sitting in the living room and we've we've done quite a lot of the house over the last few years, bit by bit, you know, as enthusiasm and funds come in and go um and the living room sort of the last place so we first did it like 13 years ago when we moved in and it's not been done since then and it was looking a bit drab and also we had a really nice we had a terrible builder and then we had a nice builder and the nice builder was nice apart from the point where he was measuring for a new door and he just wrote the measurements on the wall in pencil <laughs> it was in pencil but still he wrote it on our living room wall um which was out of character for him so yeah. we suggested we did probably need to get it done at some point, but just after Christmas is not the time when you want to be doing anything like that, really. Yeah. But my wife, in her wisdom, went, let's see how easy it is to take the paper off the wall. Because we'd had, the, the walls were terrible. We'd had to liner them, I seem to remember, yeah. 13 years ago, and then paint over them. And they were looking a bit peely. And they came off the wall really well. But because they come off the wall really well, then we actually had to do something about it and decorate the living room in the middle of January when, you know, everyone's inside all the time and, you know, you're trying to decorate over the top of children and, and stuff Would like that. Would you no. not 
think they'd like to get involved and what could possibly go wrong with kids and paint and white spirit? Yeah, I mean, everything, definitely. Um, yeah. We have got quite a lot of clothes with gloss on them nowadays uh, in the last few weeks. So yeah. it's, the thing is, I really like it when it's decorated. I'm terrible at doing the decoration. I certainly cannot motivate myself to do it, but my wife is very different and she can motivate herself and she's really good at it. So, te- I mean, she did it. She basically yeah. did the whole thing. I did little bits, you know. Did you make the tea? <laughs> yeah, I made the tea. That was the important yeah. job. But I just hate, I hate the whole process of it going on. I hate, you know, I'm not a neat and tidy minimalist person, but when yeah. everything's all over the place, you've shoved like all the pictures somewhere. It's that, I, I just don't like that unsettled feeling where everything's all over the place and you, you don't know where the things are that you need to use on a regular day-to-day basis. Like, you know, you've packed away the TV remote in the middle of a box that's now in the loft or something like that. <laughs> just, I find the whole process terrible. And I wish I earned enough money to just be able to go, hi, could you come and just decorate things for me, move everything, then put them back where they were afterwards. And, and you I, go away for the weekend while it's all happening. That's it. I'll go to Torremolinos or wherever to get away from it. But yeah. I can't afford that because I don't have the money. So, yeah. So I have to put up with all that. It's just, it's really interesting. Are we, are we there? Are we at the, the further point? The the decorating's been done, but we're still at the point where we need to put like the pictures back up and stuff. Okay, which... So you're nearly there. And then you've it's... got nice fresh walls for the kids to you know, draw on handprints, Marmite, yeah, get the the background, see if he'll tag it up for you. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, I know, and I know we're nearly there, and I know it's worth doing, but it's just that whole feeling of it happening I find so unsettling in a way that I think is more uh, palpable and more extreme than it should be. Um, I should be, mm. you know, I think a normal person would be like, okay, let's do this, let's get on with it. But for me, it's actual, it's, it's dread. It really is. But it's, yeah, it's nearly done. So anxiety-inducing. Yeah, it is. And I, I don't know if that is, um, I don't know what that's, I don't know why. I've never had yeah. a terrible decorating experience. I just genuinely yeah, despise that's what the whole thing. I think there's some past life regression here. Right. That you probably had some, you know, you're being triggered by some, you know, a, a trip to Dulux or something like that. The Dulux <laughs> dog, it could have, you know, that's what could have happened. It weed on my leg once, yeah. I it did work would... in, actually, I worked in home base for about three months and yeah. um, did not enjoy myself very much. And I hated the work as much as my boss hated me. So it was mutual. Um, it, I like, I'd... Mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, I was always good at school and I had talents for certain things. I've yeah. never actually done anything like that where I was just, I was just bad at it. But also I had a terrible attitude towards it, which was like, oh, can't be bothered. And, <laughs> you know, I'd always got along with bosses at jobs that I'd done and always like kind of, you know, been friendly with them. And, Quite an uh, affable chap, aren't you? Let's be well, honest. hopefully, yeah, and enthusiastic. Yeah. But this bloke did not like me. And you know when some people have these stories about terrible bosses who took against them for no reason? Fair yeah. play to the bloke. He was absolutely right to not like me. I was a waste of space doing that job. <laughs> and funnily enough, when it came to the review to see whether it extended my contract, he did not want to. 
But then 30 years later, it's still having ramifications on your home decoration. Yeah, it's preyed on my mind all these decades later. Well, I'm sorry for triggering you. No, no, that's absolutely fine. That's fine. If anything, it was my wife that triggered me by uh, doing the decorating. But I can't really complain, seeing as she's done the decorating. And it will be really nice in a few days' time. And she'd also hit you with the big rush. And she would be well within her rights as well. Um, What are you struggling with then? Um, Competitive parents. Okay. So on Sunday mornings... I tramp up and down parts of Sussex to go and watch my, uh, I would say my favourite child, but he is my only child, mm-hmm. um, or my least favourite child, as I call him yeah. now, uh, play <laughs> football. And yeah, there's, there's a nice group of people. Uh, we went to a different town to watch it, and there was two fellas that I sort of said a quick hello to on the opposition team. Um, who were very affable. But when the game started, Jesus Christ, they just didn't stop screaming and shouting. This wasn't just offering help for advice. This was like some really angry rage. To kids playing football? Yeah. And uh, do that, do that, do that, do that. And they were giving the credit. But they were quite middle-class and well-spoken thing. So this isn't the football factory type fella that you'd expect to be shouting this level of abuse. Mm. It was two other fellas. But yeah, and it was just driving me nuts. And I I mentioned it to my, my partner afterwards. He said, why didn't you just move? <laughs> and I think I was so annoyed at them that didn't even come into my head. Yeah. Because I was just tutting a lot. And I'm, I know there's rules, right, about, you know, engaging with the kids. And the, 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 those poor lads, I don't know how they're going to understand any of these instructions that are being barked at them because both fellas had different ideas and their coaches on the other side of the pitch trying to instruct them. Um, but I thought, what are the rules for me going over and punching each of them in, in the head repeatedly? <laughs> and just to say, shut I think you have to check with your local FA, but I'm sure that yeah. there's something in there where it's okay. Definitely. There, there must be a line. So, yeah, it's we beat them anyway, the, the, the team, so on penalties at the end. Um, so there was some sweet satisfaction of that because these fellas were crestfallen. Um, our, our boys were very good and they, you know, went and shook hands and commiserated with the other team. But, yeah, that's what I'm struggling Noisy overarching parents so i just just don't get it like because it's just fun especially at that age you know it's just it's you know obviously the kids will take it a bit seriously but really they're doing it for fun it's not like they're going to be in the premier league anytime soon is it so i just don't understand why like and i get i get that you get into it and i do you know my son plays on a sunday morning as well and uh, you know he's a bit younger he's only 6 so he's still very much kind of like oh everyone's okay although actually this sunday um first time i've seen this since he started playing but there was a kid on the other team he just get everything the referee did he was like no wasn't that no it's our ball no that was handball no what no um and i've not seen that happen before that was very much the outlier 
Yeah. And I do I get that, you know, you kind of get into it. And you want your kids to do the best that they can. And if you see an opportunity, you want to go, oh, ta- put a tackle in or keep going or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, but yeah, when it becomes that real competitive parenting thing, it's really, it's not helpful for anyone, is it? It's not helpful for it the other people listening or the kids. Absolutely. Jar- and I think that's it. As I get older as well, my, what's the word? Uh, not my, my defense mechanism, but my, my bullshit level mm. goes right and i can't stand being in noisy people yeah and this was like yeah can't think and if i say something i'm going to embarrass my son um but yeah i needed some level of you know comfort and relaxation after that game because i could have quite easily just grabbed those burners knock their heads together and Shut up. I know it's football and you know, some things are most you know, more important than football, like life and death. But yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what I'm struggling with. So competitive parenting, we did actually put this out on, on our social media uh, about examples of competitive parenting. Um, John says that usually they involve teacher presence at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People are trying to oh, outdo yeah. each other on that one. What did you get yeah. the teacher? Barbados, three weeks. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a bidding war that you want to be on the teacher's side of there, isn't it? Yeah, Everyone's yeah, yeah. trying to outdo each other. Brilliant. You're going to have an amazing summer. 16 bottles of gin. 16 bottles of gin, £7,000 in vouchers for John Lewis. Oh, perfect. You know, <laughs> you're doing well. Uh, and he also said then there's the kids' birthdays when they're young, like who gets to do the pool party first? Have you, have you, you know, you must have been to your fair share of yeah. kids' parties. Have you noticed parents trying to outdo each other with those? I, I think there's there's a line where the entire class gets uh, invited. Oh, and it just gets and it's like when do you do when do you stop that? Yeah, you know, maybe in the the first couple of years in you know, in reception. Mm. But obviously, as their friendship groups develop, you, right, no more than seven kids. Otherwise, you know, you have to take out a second mortgage. Yeah. Um, to take it. but yeah i found that and also i think it seems a bit of a a waste of time because it's really socially awkward for the parents because you've got nothing in common with these people anyway mm. the kids are all in their own little friendship groups anyway the only person it really works for is the birthday child because he gets loads of presents of kids that he doesn't normally talk to we had this with um with our son it's his birthday coming up and yeah. Uh, he, he he knows who he wants to go and he had a list and he's like, oh, I'm going to put this kid down. It's like, well, you never talk about him or play with him. He went, yeah, he just said he wanted to come to my party. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. No, just because he wants to come. Do you actually ever play with him? No. Then, ah, oh, that was a threat you used to give, wouldn't it, when he was near your birthday? Oh, you can't come to my party. You can't. Yeah. Just, you can just scream at a booth like you had this sort of, he-man level of power <laughs> yeah. because you had a party coming up. <laughs> um, and on the pool party thing that John mentioned, actually, yeah. um, I took the kids swimming on Saturday and it was to the place where my daughter had had a party at a swimming pool. I mean, yeah. it's not a glitzy pool party. It's a place called Keithley in West Yorkshire. If anyone knows it, it is not a glamorous place. Um, <laughs> but she did. She had it when she was about, it must have been when she was about five or six, maybe seven, she had a pool party in in this leisure center and looking back and it really struck me when I went back there on Saturday, what a ridiculous idea that is and how awkward it is 
to invite a load of parents who at that stage you've not been in school with a long time. Your kids, you haven't been in school with their kids. And you're yep. essentially saying, please bring your kids. Also, you'll need to come and get in a pool in your underwear, essentially. And we'll all have awkward conversations while everyone's wearing very little clothing, even though we don't know each other very well. And that is why we've never had another pool party. And I wouldn't recommend them. Sorry to the leisure centres of the United Kingdom who are trying to hawk their parties. Yeah, well, that, I suppose if they've got if they're big enough and you've got the decent size inflatables and you can do water gladiators. Yeah, you, know, no, you could then do, you get yeah. the competitive dads in there of as course. well. They were smashing yeah. the kids in the kidneys underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Get it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, hopefully not too many injuries in, in water, but, you know, you never know. Um, if he dies, he dies. Yeah, well, they and sometimes that is the rule of the kids' party, right? Exactly. Ivan Drago School of Parenting. Absolutely. Um, and my son's chess club says this is from Future Men on Twitter. All the dads basically at my son's chess club play via each other via the kids. So you can hear them whispering threats like, take the queen or you're not getting a McDonald's tonight. It's dog eat dog in the world of chess club. You would have thought chess was quite polite. You would have done, wouldn't you? Yeah, but this is grandmaster level, so yeah, they are drawing blood. These, I mean, well, I mean, you had that story, didn't you, in the news about the um, man who was getting messages from uh, a probe he had inserted. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> into a part of his anatomy. So maybe chess is more underhand than we thought. It's big time poker, isn't it? I suppose you yeah. put some money on it. Can you bet uh, the betting markets on chess? I mean. You know, Kasparov, know. two to one. <laughs> and he's the only chess player I know. So they go, oh, Nigel Short. There you go. That's the British there one. You go. Was... Could you imagine that? But they just took chess to Alexandra Palace and made it a bit more like the Dolphs. <laughs> <laughs> Walk-on music. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they, a few years ago, they re, you know, reinvigorated uh, cricket because it was – you know, the test series were quite long and quite boring and they injected faster games and colour. Maybe you could do that to chess. Speed death chess. Yes. And with the walk-ons as well, they could all have yeah. their own chess piece character so they can only walk in a certain way. So, like, there's a... A bit like the, the Mars Singer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or the, but you have a knight and he can only go in an L shape. So he, he walks two steps forward and one step to the side and then one step forward and two steps to the side to get to the table. It takes him ages. And you could do it to a Snoop Dogg soundtrack, because I just visioned that. Two steps up, hurt to the left. Yeah. <laughs> this is working for radio, isn't it? Me dancing. Uh, hey, you know what? You can just hear the movement, and I think that's enough. That is no, enough. You can, you can hear the pin drop when the tumbleweed go. Really, is this is what we've come to. Yeah. What Tips to liven up chess? What do you mean what we've come to? This is brilliant. Like, people are making deaf chess. People are making money out of revitalizing boring sports. So yeah, we've done swing ball and now we're doing chess. Is there a sport that we cannot conquer? I don't know. I think, you know, the opportunities are endless. I think we should go with it. Should we ask Alex? Uh, yeah, let's ask Alex then. So we've got this. We have got features that we have, delivered, you know, prepped. So Alex is our resident conflict management expert. And he comes on to the Dadless Soul sessions on the first Thursday of every month. 
and he answers your questions if you've got a conflict management issue and he's you know he's got years and years of experience in uh, working with patients and and overcoming these sorts of situations he knows what he's talking about so what we do on the dada soul extra time live at lunchtime show is we give you a question that has been previously put to Alex and we come up with what our suggestions would be. You are more than welcome if you're watching this live to join in uh, anywhere in the comments section, wherever you're watching it, make sure you stick an answer in there. And then we'll play you out the actual clip of what Alex really had to say. So we had this one. He said, um, this dad got in contact, said, I've been teamed up with a colleague who works in exactly the opposite way from me. He wants everything done ahead of time Whereas I'm conscious the goalposts often move and we'll only end up changing those things closer to the deadline. You won't listen to my point of view. What can we do? I am with the bloke who likes to save everything for the last minute. And I would also use the excuse, well, the goalposts often change. But the real excuse is I'm lazy and I don't like to do things early. I would take a more direct approach and put him out of the game permanently. Right. Like slash his tires so he can't get to work. So slash the, the person who likes to get everything done early. Yeah. Go round to his house, right, the night before, get loads of sellotape, tape up his doors. So again, he can't even get to the car to be able to get to work. And then you probably won't have an issue. Um you could also ask him to say, look, to be more productive, if he wants to give you instructions, he's got to do it through something like interpretive dance. Right, okay, so then, yeah, you're not, he's not going to get everything done straight away because he's going to have to go away and really think about that. Isn't he? Exactly. I think you should interpret the issues. Uh, or the other thing is maybe just, you know, gang up on him at lunchtime, get a few of your mates down the toilets, you know. <laughs> Do you want to see some blue dolphins? Look down here. <laughs> yeah, have a have a quiet work in their shell life to go. You know, your career here, it, it's not it's not long term. But yeah, bit bit sort of like Tony Soprano. So, and are we both of the opinion really then that it's a bit weird to want to do everything really quickly straight away and get everything sorted weeks in advance of your deadline? No, I'm a massive control freak. I will be that, but then right. I'll also be the person that would change the goalposts right. at all. But if I was working with somebody like that, I would be intrigued at their methodology right. and somewhat envious. But then I would get really frustrated that my brain doesn't work like that. So I would probably get some really deep-seated resentment. Mm. I want to hurt them, potentially. I mean, I can definitely see that. I very much am a, I will, my work goes very little, very little, very little. Deadlines coming up, more, more, more. Deadlines are really imminent. Oh, I'll pull up an all-nighter if I have to. There we go. And I've been like that since I was at school. You know, school homework would never, ever have uh, been done until the evening of the last day of the school holidays even though it ruined it ruined every holiday because I was thinking, oh God, I've got loads of work to do. I've got loads of work to do. Would you wouldn't he I know your kids are a bit younger, they haven't started sort of high school and homework yet. But what are you gonna try and instill them? Because with my I do exactly that bit where I'm so look, get your homework done at the beginning, right? Then it's done and then the rest of it I, I've got nothing to nag you about. Right? You can have carte blanche essentially to do whatever you want to. 
and he has sort of got to the stage where he's leaving it later and later and later. And I have to give him, you know, the skills to be able to negotiate this mm. and the responsibility for deadlines. But I'm trying to instill on him to do directly what I didn't. So my homework would be done at the playtime before the lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where I've been copying off, off of Rend on the side of the toilet wall. Um, but I don't want him to be like that. So I'm a massive hypocrite. Yeah, and I think I will be as well. Um, my, yeah. my daughter basically she gets homework on a Friday night and it needs to be in by the next Friday morning and she's quite good at doing it early in the week but yeah. it's not it's not massive amounts it's only about 20 minutes of work which I you know I, I get you know your yeah. son's now at secondary and I, you know how much homework is he getting there is it quite a lot it's quite a lot I think it was a shock to the system for him and the other thing is obviously everything's online so you can see the homework diary Oh, okay. Yeah. Somebody goes, I haven't got anything. Go, oh, well, I think you find you have. Oh, no, that's ruined every school child's excellent excuse, which is, yeah, no, they said no homework this time. So, yeah. mm. they just... can't bunk off. They can't bunk off their homework. It's just, um, yeah, uh, it's crazy. So, if we were saying, so this, this, this person who wrote in, they are going head to head with their colleague who's being super productive. Um, realistically, I, I think the advice would be: it depends on what size company. You know, if you've got if you're part of a big corporate, then you can have HR teams, and you'll have a manager, managers, manager, managers, manager, manager. But if you're in a very small team, then that can be really difficult because you've got nowhere to go, can you? Mm. Yeah, so you're sort of forced to work with them. Whereas if there's a bigger company, there's a, there's an opportunity to go look. I don't think we're necessarily the best. We've got the best synergy here. Yeah. Um, can we switch around? But yeah, if it's just like could it be that this person is actually just worked for himself and has a split personality? Maybe it is. Maybe it's like it is like the Fight Club of um, yes, Alex questions. It could be. <laughs> There's this person that's really efficient, and then there's me that's just not very efficient. Yeah, how can we sort that out? Um, okay, well, should we find out what Alex had to say? Let's uh, ask the expert. There we go. What you have to do is you both have to adapt. If he wants to work a method A and you want to work a method C, then you're going to have to come together in the middle at a method B somewhere. And the way I would suggest that, because obviously he is a complete a finisher type person he wants to get everything done one after the other as quick as possible versus the you're the just in time person who gets it done at the very end knowing that you might have to change things so a possible compromise is to decide well shall we pull together a good outline of what we're going to do of so to speak to use an analogy from my world of medicine get the skeleton sorted but let's not hang too much flesh on it yet. Let's have the different bits of flesh ready to go and then plug in the ones that we actually need. If A happens, if B happens, if C happens, we can adjust slightly. So it would be about trying to come together in, in the middle, yeah? And it is, of course, without any hesitation at all, time to bring the C word in. It's all about you communicating and explaining what floats your boat and what gets your goat that's really reasonable isn't it it's really reasonable like alex is very reasonable but also what floats your boat and what gets you goat, i think is a phrase i'm going to take with me from this 
and used at some point in the future. But also, it must be quite frustrating to be his wife when you just want to have a barley with him yeah. because it's so reasonable. <laughs> oh, come on, we've both got a dad. No, yeah. I'm perfectly within my rights to be completely annoying and just massively pissed off. And I see what you're saying, and I acknowledge that. No, don't do that. Don't acknowledge it. <laughs> Say the opposite. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes it's good to have a really sort of clear the air Barney, isn't it? And just as long as it doesn't, you know, result in physical wounds and stuff like that. But yeah, he's just so reasonable. It's like that um, the Monty Python sketch, isn't it, with the argument where you go and you pay for an argument, and then. Yeah. Uh, is it Eric Idle who gets annoyed because he says, well, this is just contradiction. And John Cleese goes, no, it isn't. And it's like, it's just a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant sketch. Really well worth checking out if you've not seen it. That's so, another reference for the kids there, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Monty Python. We're, we're at the cutting edge. All Saints and Monty Python. That's what we've been talking about today. That's what will go, <laughs> go down in the annals of history. <laughs> yeah. Um we are up to the one hour mark, so I know the boys and girls at home will probably have to get back to doing some work because we have interrupted their their lunchtime. So this is another little mashup, and this is what happens when Kurt Cobain met Rick Ashley, which again I think you'll find is the the duo that you needed in your life. Absolutely. Until next week, boys and girls. Bye. Here we are. Bye.